Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Today on the show, who run the world? Girls. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Anna. And I'm Marnie. And today we've got feminism and Fodlin. It's time. Yes, <laughs> it's time. We kind of alluded to it last week and it's here now. To no surprise to anybody who's played Fire Emblem that it might not be immediately clear why feminism makes so much sense to talk to in Fodlin because there are a lot of aspects of it that we are going to dive into today that are very oppressive towards women. Um, But fortunately, we have some amazing women throughout each of the houses. Any of the ones that you play with will have some kick-ass female characters for us to explore. Um, And today we're actually going to talk about one specific scene that we think highlights those systems really well and also highlights the different types of feminism that the characters and the students at Gehrig Mach represent. Yeah, the the paralogue or the scene that we're talking about, it's called Rumored Nuptials. So the paralogue starts with Ingrid, Dorothea, and the professor, or you, talking about a letter Ingrid just received from her father about a marriage proposal. I've not met him, though I've heard his name here and there. He began life as a merchant, but has somehow achieved rank in court, an enterprising noble from an allied territory. It's most likely that he wants the crest of Daphnol that I bear to adorn his family name. Hmm, yes, that sounds about right. The jerk. You sound as though you know him. Do you? Yes, I must admit that I know him. He tried to court me when I was a singer. Best advice I can give you, Ingrid? Stay far, far away from this guy. He's offered a sizable dowry, so I must at least consider it. For the sake of my family. Dowry? (laughs) Blood money. That's all it is. Dorothea, I... This jerk's entire fortune is soaked in blood. Do you want to rebuild your own house using that kind of money? I mean, it's all just rumors, but I think it still might be worth investigating. So now the plan is you're going to go and investigate this dude. So you get to the Valley of Torment, and it turns out this dude's plan was to just kidnap Ingrid. And now your goal is to protect Ingrid and get rid of the rogues who are going to kidnap her. So, Anna, is this a story of women helping women, or is it a damsel in distress? Well, I am going to say that any time you're going on a first date at the Valley of Torment, bad idea. <laughs> Yeah, just like it's uh, a little warm. Yeah, whoever. Literally on fire. (laughs) Whoever thought that was a good idea for the first date spot. I mean, that should be a red flag right there. Don't go. Um, I think that um, the weird part is 
when you start the battle, lots of the battles start with sort of like a, an intro that will tell you what your objective is, right? So you, you land in this new place and it will say, like, here's what you got to do. And weirdly, the thing that they do is you get there and they're like, don't let him touch Ingrid. Don't you dare. Um, and it's very funny to see when you've played as the Blue Lions because Ingrid is practically OP. I remember laughing when they said, like, don't let him get anywhere near Ingrid. Because I was like, Psh, watch him fucking try. She will yeah. <laughs> murder this She dude. will destroy him. Yeah. She will destroy him. <laughs> so it was very odd to me that they said that, because that did make it feel very damsel and distress-y. Yeah. But I do think that something that's really interesting about this is that, like, you'll learn that uh, as you start playing Black Eagles, which I've just started... Dorothea will kind of go on a date with anyone. <laughs> She's very much, we'll talk about this more, but she, she really wants to find somebody who she thinks is the right fit, who, who will help her, help her family, kind of like give her the status that she's looking for. And so that Dorothea is like, no, Ingrid, even though we're not in the same house, like I really care for you and we can't let this happen. Like, you're considering this, and so I just need to tell you here and now, like, this is not what's best for you. It's not worth the money. And so it's not like she'll just take money from anyone. So I think that it, it highlights this really interesting differences between Ingrid and Dorothea, who are very different characters, but clearly care about each other a lot. And I think that's one of the best parts about this. So I don't know whether it feels damsel in distress or not, but I do think that that the two women kind of coming together um, and saying, like, we need to check this out together. Like, I'm not going to let you go alone. I'm going to make sure that if we go and investigate this, I'm going with you. And, like, we have a team of people who are here for you. I think that that's a really cool part about this entire prologue. Let's talk a little bit more about Ingrid and Dorothea. And I feel like maybe that will give us more info as to whether it's a damsel in distress scenario. So I figured we could start with talking about Ingrid. So just some background on Ingrid. She's a noble from Fargus, and she talks multiple times about how her family doesn't have much money. So that's kind of how that plays into, you know, this dowry, which, first of all, dowries are sexist, right? Inherently, <laughs> from the start. <laughs> like, Let me pay you to take this woman off of my hands. Great. <laughs> Great. Sounds... <laughs> That that's it, that is feminism, right? I just <laughs> how many goats is Ingrid worth? <laughs> three, three goats. <laughs> I'll take it. So Ingrid, she was supposed to marry Felix's brother Glenn, but Glenn died in the tragedy of Dusker, and so obviously she couldn't marry Glenn anymore. And then Ingrid really idolized Glenn. And she wanted to become a knight to follow in his footsteps. But she also feels this immense pressure to get married and have babies because she was the only child to inherit a crest. So she needs to have crest babies. Crest babies are such a thing in Fire Emblem. I feel like we could do an entire episode on crest babies alone. Maybe we will. TBD. But I think that you learn maybe the most about crest babies. I could be wrong. I haven't played all the paths, but quite possibly the most, in the Blue Lions. I was reading, so there's this Reddit user. Their name is BellArc19, I think is, is what it is. They had this post, and it's like about how, how Edelgard, actually, 
of the Black Eagles is affected by sexism, but they cover Crest Babies a lot in this explanation that they give. And they had this quote, they said, the most oppressive society in Fodland for women is, of course, Fargus, which is where Ingrid's coming from. And it says, which is not coincidentally the most oppressive society for everyone else, too. We should note Ingrid quite racist. So her feminism is not intersectional. It's own problem for sure. But this is where Ingrid's from. This is the society that she's coming from. Fargus is kind of known for having this issue. If you play as the Blue Lions, there's a lot of nobles. A lot of them have crests. Um, it's like heroes, relics, fucking galore. I swear you get a hero's relic like every month when you play with the Blue Lions. But Sylvain, I think, is a really interesting example of this. Sylvain, my husband, I will note, um, <laughs> he and I did live happily ever after. Did we have crest babies? I, I, I won't spoil it for you, but we did end up together. <laughs> But Sylvain kind of has this issue, um, as you know, Marnie, and as really anyone who's played the game knows, where they refer to him as, quote, a skirt chaser. But he's has this like core belief and sort of fear that any woman he ends up with will just want to be with him because of his crest, because he could have a crest baby. We're back to crest babies. Um, and the, the Reddit user who I referenced, Bellark19, said, Sylvain, one of the characters who is best at seeing the hidden picture, cannot conceive of a real opportunity for women that does not involve marriage to a powerful man. In other words, this Boo. like, oh, any woman must just want to have a crest baby with me. That could be the only possible thing because that's all women want. They just want to have crest babies, which is honestly bad luck. I'm starting. I <laughs> listen, I will defend my husband, but it's a bad luck. Um, and so even Ingrid, who has a crest, is still expected to marry and have children just to pass it on. But that's not what she wants. She wants to be a knight. She she has this ambition far above and beyond crest babies. Right. And then it's also complicated there, too, because does she want to be a knight because she wants to be a knight? Or does she want to be a knight because she idolizes Glenn? And that I struggle with, too in terms of her as as a feminist icon. That's an interesting point. And she kind of she gets into fights with Felix about this. And Felix happens to be uh, Glenn's younger brother. But he ends up kind of following the path of a knight, but because he simply wants to do the best possible job he can and be his strongest self and thinks that actually the path that Glenn followed was essentially his foil, right? The reason why he died was because he had this blind allegiance to becoming a knight. And Ingrid and Felix get into a lot of fights about this, actually, because I think Ingrid has a very um, sort of like idolized view of what a knight is. So it's really interesting to, to question what draws Ingrid to becoming a knight. Is it this connection that she feels like she should have had with Glenn that didn't end up happening? Is it sort of her rejection of what's expected of her. You know, it really is the farthest thing from from what would otherwise be expected of her as a woman with a crest and noble. You know, like, is it this sort of just like, I want to be as far away from that as possible, and this is what I could do to follow that? It's hard to tell what, what's driving Ingrid. Yeah, I feel like she's kind of a second wave feminist in in that like women can find fulfillment outside the home and they can find fulfillment outside of making crest babies and it doesn't go that much past that 
you know? Yeah, right. It's like more than women have the right to vote, although I don't think there's any kind of voting in Fodlin at all. <laughs> I don't think so. But it's, but it's like, you know, women can wear pants and women can work. Shocking. Women don't have to. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and don't don't get too fired up there. <laughs> yeah, I you know, I think Ingrid wears pants but maybe has like a little bit of a skirt over. Right, so, the weird little you know. like yeah, extra like leather thingy that goes over. <laughs> she also a very another very second wave thing that she does is actively rejecting girly things. Mm. So kind of like going so opposite of womanly things like oh i i don't wear makeup right like, get away from me annette i don't want to do makeup because i want to be a knight but who says knights can't wear makeup right i do think that it's this sort of like rejection of expectation but the only way that they go with that is like oh then i'll i'll follow what a more like quote unquote manly path would be or what the path would be expected for me if I were a man, right? And that's kind of what she does with Glenn. Part of me wonders if it's sort of like a power struggle, right? Like, she likely didn't have a say in her uh, betrothment to Glenn, right? But there's probably something very appealing about the idea of, like, what if I could be on that side of things, right? Not, like, rethinking the structure entirely, but rather what if I were just on the other side in the same structure, What if I were the one who got to choose who I was going to marry? If I were the one who got to have the career and then do these other things on the side? Part of me wonders if just like she's not thinking outside of the structure that exists for her and is instead just like, what if I could be on the other side of it the way that Glenn was? Definitely. I think that that's a great way to put it. One other thing that came to my mind, too, is like this whole thing with Glenn is a little bit weird to me because... Weren't they like 12? Wasn't Dimitri 12 when the tragedy of Dusker happened? Yeah. So Ingrid is supposed to be like the same age as him, right? Yeah. But Glenn was already a knight. So how old is Glenn at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Very problematic. It feels, it definitely feels like a sort of like child marriage betrothal situation, which like, I think that arranged marriage not always, but inherently comes with this this question of who's doing the choosing, right? And like oftentimes in in patriarchal societies, it's the man or the man's family, right? And like Glenn, not only being a knight, but also coming from this sort of like high-ranking noble family in Fargus, you know, who's doing the choosing when it comes to this betrothal? Even in the case of Ingrid now and this whole paralogue battle that we're in, why is she here? Why is she even thinking about talking to this guy that Dorothea is pushing her away from? Because her father said, oh, you you should consider it. He would give us a lot of money. And I, as the, the male leader of the house, think you should go and talk to him. Which is why I think it's extra exciting that Dorothea is the one who comes in with sort of her like back-end knowledge of what's going on here and who this guy is very like you know hiding her secrets in her hair (laughs) like well let me tell you I know what's really going on with this guy um because I've been there and I've seen it and you don't want any part of it Ingrid you know very much looking out for her own people which I love yeah let's talk about Dorothea a little bit more because she has a very different upbringing than Ingrid 
So Dorothea is not a noble. She actually kind of actively dislikes nobles. And so that's what makes this paralogue extra special. Not only is she reaching out to someone from another house, but she's reaching out to a noble. And so background on Dorothea, Dorothea's mom was a lady-in-waiting for an empire noble. And when her mother died, she was left to fend for herself. Then she was discovered by the opera, and she really built herself up from scratch. Yeah, I had to look up what a lady-in-waiting actually was. Like, it's definitely a term I think I've heard, but I had no idea what it was. So when I was looking at it, it's essentially just someone who's like, a maid to nobles. But I also read that typically lady-in-waiting are actually also nobles. They're just low-ranking nobles, which, like, it really puts into perspective um, the the system that the nobles are living in, right? If there are, like, not just nobles and commoners, but the low-ranking nobles, right? And I think maybe we see that a little bit with, with Ingrid, too, and the crests being what is giving someone their power. Like, how strong is the crest and who are you passing it on to? But um, I think that it's really interesting that, you know, this patriarchal nobility structure is the reason why Dorothea's mom is put into this very helpless position when she's kicked out. I also had read that Dorothea reveals that she met a noble at one point who she thinks was her father. Essentially, he had given some some information that he, quote, threw away, very problematic, a crestless child and the child's made mother. And so Dorothea met him after she had become a singer. And I think that this is really, really dark, honestly, that she might have met her father. And her father is just, you know, not only telling her, oh, yeah, I just threw this child away and this woman away because they couldn't give me, again, a crest baby. And not only did he not realize that it could have been the same daughter he was talking about, but then apparently tried to flirt with her. Talk about just like yeah. scum of the earth father. Yeah, that is that is icky. I mean, obviously he didn't know it was his daughter, right. but still Imagine just the icky, age icky. gap though. I know. Oh. What's particularly awful about this is that Dorothea in this moment probably sees the the fickleness and sort of the stupidity of nobility, right? This idea that like I am the same woman that you might have thrown away because I didn't have a crest or whatever. But now all of a sudden I'm like pretty and I'm a good singer. And so I can be used for something. So now you see my worth. It's not until you see that I could be of some use to you that you think I am worth, like worthy as a human. And so I think that like, you know, one, it's no wonder she has no trust towards nobles, but also the, the fact that she would have this awful experience with a man like that, I think, must really kind of put her radar up for, for what she's looking for when she's looking for a partner, even if she is using it in her circumstance to kind of climb the social ladder. Yeah. And we talked earlier about how she is actively searching for a husband she's she's getting an mrs at garrick mom <laughs> she's always going on dates yes constantly it's like every conversation i've had with her so far is about some interesting date she's had or hitting on one of the other students but like this is where i feel like dorothea is more third wave feminism mm-hmm. where she is using her femininity 
as a way to climb that social ladder like you were talking. And she's using it to be more powerful in herself. And so just as background, the third wave of feminism is this idea that ideas and language, aesthetics that the second wave had worked to reject, they then embraced that. So makeup, high heels, and high femme girliness was really embraced as part of third wave feminism. I guess you could think of it like taking it back. Is that yeah, how you would say right. that? Yeah, right. Reclaiming like, what has been used against them. And so Dorothea noticed that people cast her aside when she was not a singer. When she became a singer and people were interested in her, she kind of realized, I can use this to my advantage. And this is how I'm going to rig the rigged system. Yeah, totally. I'm going to beat them at their own game, essentially. She's like, fine, like, I can play this game too. If what I need to be Uh, living the life that I want is some rich husband, then fine. I'm going to flex what I have. I'm going to go and be a wonderful singer and be a beautiful person. And I'm going to just, (laughs) as we've noted, go on dates with all these people until I find someone tolerable enough who can also give me what I want, which is power, which makes a lot of sense, right? She's, She's lived this entire life sort of powerless to this system that she was born into. Like, of course she wants to of course she wants to beat everyone at their own game. Of course she's like, okay, if this is what makes me powerful now, if being beautiful and whatever suddenly makes the same person who might be my father realize that I have worth, then like let me use that as my weapon. And I think that it's quite brilliant. And I think that at first especially, I don't know about you, but like I played as the Blue Lions and I do think that I had this initial sort of like she just wants to just dates like she just wants to get with any guy that's I don't quite get what's going on here but I think that like the more you talk to Dorothea and the more you realize you're right this way that she's reclaimed what's been used against her I think she's quite brilliant and I think it makes it really extra meaningful as you said when she's talking to Ingrid and choosing to help Ingrid who's from another house who's a noble when she's not, someone she already distrusts, but who also has this very different approach to to gaining power. I think that Ingrid's like, okay, if you think that women aren't powerful, then I'll kind of act like less of a woman or what society perceives to be, quote, womanly. And Dorothea goes the opposite direction. Dorothea's like, no, I'm, I know that this gives me something special and I'm going to use that. And so it's another circumstance which I just love seeing them come together in this this one battle and then coming together against this man who fucking sucks, <laughs> who, like, sounds awful. And, you know, then they go and battle and quite literally kick ass in this <laughs> fiery valley of hell or whatever it's called, something of terror. Once again, terrible first date place. Do not take anyone there. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I love seeing them come together in this. I think that how we were talking about Dorothea kind of realizing how she can use other people. She's then gifting that to Ingrid Mm -hmm. and saying like, look, Ingrid, you don't need to settle for this guy because of the money. Like, look at me. I need money more than you probably. And like, you're a noble. I need money more than you do. And I would, not go out with that guy. Yes. I think no matter what this story 
is Dorothea helping Ingrid. It's a story of women helping women. And even though they kind of play Ingrid as this damsel in distress, we all know that Ingrid is actually a badass. And this is early on, too. This is pretty early. Like, she's still gaining her self-confidence. And maybe this paralogue is what she needed to be like, yes, I am a knight. I can be a knight. I can also be a badass woman. I don't necessarily need to settle for some man just because he has all this blood money that he can give as a dowry. So maybe Dorothea inspired her that way, too. I think the fact that Dorothea shows Ingrid, I know you need this. I know because I need it, too. And I tried this, but it's not worth it. You do not need to settle. You are better than this. You deserve better than this is the best possible conversation that a friend can have with someone else, right? Like, I know that that you're thinking logistically, you're thinking about your family, you're coming from a loving place, Ingrid, but you don't have to put yourself through this. You deserve better and you will get better. You don't need this man. And I love <laughs> that we get a whole paralogue battle just for Dorothea to tell Ingrid, you do not need this man <laughs> because it's true. So true. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show grow. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party, and check out our YouTube page for bonus videos and highlights. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>